This student ministry podcast is a sermon preached by Pastor Ernie Merritt at the 2011 Lancaster Baptist Winter Retreat. Pastor Merritt serves as the senior pastor of the Fundamental Baptist Church in Escondido, California, and we hope this message is a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. There are four main points of my message this evening. For those of you taking notes, let me give them to you real quickly. First of all, number one is the challenge. You all say the challenge. The challenge. Number two is the choice. Please say the choice. The choice. Number three, the charge. Take a look at the charge. Y'all say the charge. All right, very good. And number four, the change. Would you say the change, please? The change. All right. Number one, the challenge. Number two, the choice. Number three, the charge. Number four, the change. First of all, the challenge. And, and there are challenges that you and I face in life. Amen? Do you all have challenges? I can remember the challenge that I faced in school. Guys, I want to talk to you for just a second. Y'all, you guys remember the first time your voice changed? You remember that? Your voice cracked? You know? Uh, you, you know, you're talking all of a sudden, eh! and maybe, maybe, maybe you have compassionate young men in the youth group. And, and no one laughed. I, I remember that when that happened to me in youth group, man, people laughed. <laughs> Do you hear his voice squeak? And let me just say this, and it happened in other stages, it happened in other situations, but there are challenges that we face. You say, well, Pastor Murray, did you come all the way here from Escondido to talk about changing voices? No, I just want to illustrate a point. There are challenges that you and I face that every one of us will face at some point in time in our life, but sometimes we think some of the challenges of, of teen life, that those are the hugest challenges of our lives. You have to understand this, that here, and many of you are familiar with this particular story, but with regards to this particular challenge, we see, number one, there's a challenge from the foe, and then number two, a challenge from family. You would say, well, Pastor Merritt, man, my family is tight, man. We stick together. Togetherness in my family, man. And I'm talking about, in fact, some of you all thinking, man, I can't wait till after this session so I can call my mom because I just miss her so much and, and my dad. But, but we're going to take a look at the challenge from the phone. We're going to take a look at the challenge from family. First of all, the foe. If you noticed in verse number, uh, number four gives us uh, his height, but in terms that we can understand, understand this, that Goliath was somewhere between nine feet, nine inches tall. He was tall. I mean, he could flat foot dunk, not even have to get up off the ground, but just kaboom and bring the whole backboard down. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Goliath could lick salt off the top of Shaquille O'Neal's head. I mean, that, that's how tall Goliath was. Goliath was a big man. He was tall. In fact, when God talks about his coat of mail, that coat of mail that Goliath had weighed somewhere around 156 pounds. How'd you like to wear 156 pounds of steel around your body? And he could do it effortlessly. Just like you throw on a jacket, he threw on that 156 pounds of, 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 of mail. That armor that he wore. And his spear, verse 7, talks about his spear. The spearhead weighed somewhere around 18 pounds. The whole spear, about 38 pounds. Let me just say this. He could kill a man without even hitting him with the spearhead. He could just throw it sideways. Bam! And somebody would be killed. I mean, this is amazing when we're able to think about how huge this man was. His whole armor weighed somewhere between uh, around 272 pounds. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, let me just say this. I want to paint this picture because 40 days he came down. 
And chances are, as you had the, the, the nation of Israel and their army on one side of a mountain and, and the Philistines and their army on another side of the mountain. Can you imagine being a Philistine on that day? You're like, yeah, man, the Israelis are scared. Boy, let me tell you something, man. I got my boy here. Man, my boy's handling business. Goliath comes down and he had this little guy, you know, come with the, you know, Herod carrying his shield. And he's just talking smack day in and day out for 40 days. Now, let me just say this. The, the Philistines could be real smug right about now. And he comes down and no doubt, let me just kind of picture, let's picture this, that perhaps the earth shook. And then, oh no, here comes Goliath. Here he comes, y'all. And they kind of hide. And he comes down there and he looks up at the nation of Israel and he says, give me a man. That we may fight. And then he gives this crazy challenge. I want to fight him. Now, he's the biggest man on the battlefield. In fact, the word of God tells us that Saul, he was the tallest man in the nation of Israel, head and shoulders above anyone else. And here Goliath comes with all of his battle armor. And he says, choose you a man that we may fight. And then he throws out this crazy challenge. If he's able to to defeat me. Then we will be your servants. Ha, 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 ha. But if I defeat him, then you will be our servants. And then he defied almighty God. And then he'd go back up. And then no doubt there were high fives, maybe chest bumps, that kind of thing. You know, probably killed a couple Philistines doing that. You know, in, in their pre-war celebration. And here, here's David. David, folks, he's too young to go to the battlefield. He's too young to fight. And you know the story his dad gives David some supplies, sends him on an errand, and he goes to to see how his brothers are doing. He arrives, and you have to understand, David sees all this, and in verse number 26, we see this, and David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the men that killed this Philistine? And take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, I like that. That's a teenager talking right there. That's a teenager that later says, is there not a cause in verse number 29? We see this challenge, first of all, from the foe, that the foe comes to bring a challenge. But then number two, from family. From family. You have to understand, David had some older brothers. Amen. And notice Eliab. Let's take a look at Eliab in verse number 28. And the people answered. Uh, verse number 27, him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? I mean, Eliab's all of a sudden going to get upset. Now, he did not get upset over the giant because he was scared just like everybody else. But David comes and David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And then David's having this dialogue, and everybody comes around there telling David this, that, and the other. And then Eliab starts getting all upset. First, we see two things with Eliab. Number one, his emotion. Because the Bible tells us, verse number 28, uh, that, that Eliab's anger was kindled against David. You need to be careful when your anger is kindled against somebody. Amen? I know, I, let me just say this. I, I, I read the rules. Praise the Lord. Y'all got some good rules. Amen? Wonderful rules. But let me just say this. Sometimes we can get upset. And somebody plays some kind of crazy prank on somebody. I know how that works. 
Oh, no, she didn't. Some young lady may say, oh, 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 no, she didn't. And you start taking off your jewelry and you take off your heels and, and, and it's, it's ready to get on like Donkey Kong. Hey, let me encourage you. Never allow your anger to get kindled. Amen? Because it, it, it just goes buck wild. If you let your anger get the best of you, that's what happened to Eliab. The Bible tells us about Eliab's emotion, but then number two, Eliab's commotion. His commotion. Then he says he starts running off at the mouth. Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Eliab just brought up. Now, who'd you leave a little few sheep with David? I know your naughtiness. I know what's in your heart. You came down here to see the action. Now, let me just say this. There are some things in this particular story that, that I know that sometimes the fellas, when we, we start reading, we're like, yeah, and I love this. And sometimes girls will say, that's just gross. I just, I really don't understand why that's in the Bible. I don't understand why that has to be that great detail. But guys, he's like, oh, man, this is just pure testosterone. This is great stuff. When we're seeing what's happening here, but, but we see this challenge. Let me just say this. Sometimes you will face challenges outside of your family. There will be foes that will place themselves in opposition to you. Let me just say this. Sometimes even within your own family. Sometimes. How many of y'all have a brother or a sister? Can I see your hands, please? All right, very good. Amen, amen. All across the room. Hallelujah, amen. You can put your hands down. Wonderful. Let me ask you this. Have you always understood your sibling or siblings May I also ask another question. Has your sibling or siblings always understood you? No, no, no. No, let me just say this. Do you understand your parents all the time? Probably not. Hey, let me just tell you this. There was a time growing up I just thought, man, when I become a dad, and I had all these things about when I became a dad, after I got married, of course, and, uh, and, and I had all these different things laid out. Let me just share with you an incredible phenomenon. The more that I live life as a dad, I remind myself of my dad. I find myself saying things that my dad told me. And I thought I would never say that to a child. And my dad would say, son, what were you thinking? Uh, you, you, ever have a, you ever have your parents tell you, what were you thinking? Um. I don't know. That's not a legitimate answer. What were you, how many of you have ever had that happen? You know, what were you, hey, I've asked my child, my children that question. Our oldest and Michaela, what were you thinking? And let me tell you what she, now she did not hear any of this. She looked at me and she had the most sincere look on her face. She said, daddy, I don't know. I looked at my wife, I said, I, you know what? I, I understand where the girl's coming from. I understand that. What were you thinking? Sometimes you may not understand your brothers. You may not understand your sister. You may not understand your parents. Let me also say this. You might not think, well, I don't know if they understand me. I don't know if the youth pastor understands me. I don't know if the youth pastor's wife understands me. Hey, let me tell you something. There are people that understand. Let, let me just say this. David was dealing with some difficulty in his own home. He was dealing with it from without. He was dealing with it in his home. But let me just encourage you with this, what, what David did. He kept his focus on God. Amen. Let me encourage young people, keep your focus 
on the Lord. The challenge, number one, number two, the choice, the choice. The choice is found back in number 24, also number 26, verse number 24. The Bible says this, and all the men of Israel. How many of the men of Israel? All. What does all mean? All of them, every single solitary one of them. Can I get a witness? Amen. The Bible says, and all, verse number 24 of our particular text, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled before him and were sore afraid. Notice verse number 26. The Bible says this. When David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Let me just say this. We have a choice of to have fear or the choice to have faith. How many of you have ever been met with a challenge and you thought there is no way I could possibly ever do that? Can I see your hand, please? There's no way. There is no way. Hey, let me just say this. There are times in our lives where you know what happens? The Lord allows us to be encountered with a God-sized challenge where we get outside of our comfort zone. Let me ask this question. I know this is kind of a dumb question to ask to this particular youth group, but how many of you go soul winning? Can I see your hands, please? You go soul winning. Very good. I see those hands. God bless you. Amen. You may put them down. How many of you, the very first time you went out, you were scared to death? May I see those hands, please? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. How many of y'all are still scared? Can I see your hands, please? All right. Don't, don't, don't be. Don't look around. Don't. I'm just going to look around. I'm going to see if anybody else raises their hand, and then I'm just going to. Seriously, come on. It's just us, okay? It, my hand is raised. How many of y'all are still scared? All right, very good. Amen. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Praise the Lord. That's a scary thing. Because you don't know who's on the other side of the door. Amen? You don't know whether that's going to be how we blam and slam the door. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. And sometimes, you know what? I had a guy just recently, uh, uh, after receiving Christ as a Savior, went out soul winning. Was going out with our youth director, Brother Esteban Marquez. And as he went to the door, the guy all of a sudden couldn't speak. He said, hi, we're from, and could not get out Fundamental Baptist Church. He said, hi, we're from Fundamental Baptist Church. He was scared. Now, he laughed about that. He clowned on himself about that. We got back, he said, Pastor, you wouldn't believe this. I could not say Fundamental Baptist Church. Now, let me just say this. Folks, it's all right to be scared every once in a while. But don't allow your fear to cause you to be crippled. The nation of Israel allowed their fear to cripple them. How many of you would say, Pastor, don't raise your hand, but think about this. If God called me to the mission field, I would be ready to pack up and go tomorrow. Say, well, you know, and I got to graduate first. And uh, I understand all that. But sometimes that is very scary. Amen. Very scary. I tell you, in the youth group that I grew up in, there were a number of guys from their youth were called to preach. And you know what? There are people in my church. Now, I didn't necessarily, at that point in time, feel called. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I remember there were well-meaning people. almost there were, there were so many people in that particular church that would come around and they'd say, oh, if you just surrendered to God, he would call you to the I said, I am surrendered. I am surrendered. All to Jesus I surrender. I mean, I gave it all to the Lord. But he hadn't called me at that point in time. And they thought something was wrong with me because I didn't know what God wanted me to do for the rest of my life. And they put pressure on me. I was scared. 
I, I thought of all my, the things I couldn't do. I thought, well, Lord, I have a deathly fear to stand up in front of people. Lord, I have a speech impediment. Lord, I don't know much about the Bible. Lord, I can't preach. But guess what? He called me to the ministry. There might be some of you guys, you might think, well, you know what? God could call uh, this other guy in the youth group and that other guy in the youth group. And, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a girl that, man, when she gives testimonies, if God could call women to preach, man, I think that girl would do a great job. And, and, and all these different things may be going through your head. Let me encourage you. Just be yielded to God. Because David was yielded to God. And David said, is there not a cause? Now listen to verse number 29. And David said, what have I done? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, young people, there is a cause and it's a choice to have. The choice to either have fear or the choice to have faith. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. If you put your faith and trust in the Lord, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. You'll be just fine. So have the, the, the choice of faith, not fear. Number three, the charge. The charge. It finally gets down. And we're going to skip around a little bit. It finally gets down to the point where it's time to fight. The talking is all over. David has already tried to put on Saul's armor. Didn't fit. Didn't work. David's already gathered those smooth stones and have them in his bag. And, and he is ready to engage the enemy. We see the charge. With the charge, we see, number one, the belittling of the foe from verses 42 through 44. The word of God says this. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he is but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Can you imagine David? I mean, Goliath is ready to engage a warrior in battle. And he looks across the battlefield and realizes, this little squiggly pipsqueak is coming to engage me in battle? Ha! And he disdained him. What's that mean? He put him down. He, he, he uh, uh, belittled him. This belittling uh, of the foe. Verse number 43, the Bible says, And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. By the way, David didn't have a sword, all right? And David says, I'm going to take your head from you. And, uh, and I will give uh, the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. We see number one, the belittling of, of the foe. We also see number two, the bravery of the faithful. I mean, David is out there all by himself. And he knew that he was out there all by himself. But hold on for a second. Was David alone? Was David alone? May I ask a question? Who was with David? Was Saul with David? No, he wasn't. Was Eliab with David? 
No, he wasn't. May I ask the question this evening that begs to be asked? Who was with David? Young people in this section, could you tell me who was with David? Okay, can we say that with a little bit more God. Can we say it with some, with some chutzpah? Can we say it with some umph? Who is with David? God. All right, middle section. Who is with David? God. All right, section over here. Who is with David? God. All right, now let me ask you this question. Who is with you? Right, I'm hearing crickets. Who's with you? God, God is, amen? The Lord God Almighty is with you. God and you are a majority. Many times, you know, we think as teenagers, I'm, I'm, I like to think that it hasn't been too awfully long that I was a teen. I'll be 46 this year. And I'd like to think it wasn't too long ago that I was a teenager. Now, hold on for a second. I'll just say, just let me just dream for just a few moments. You say, oh, Pastor Merritt, 46? Aren't you about ready to collect Social Security? I'm here old. Hey, let me just say this, folks. You and God are a majority. I, I, I'd like to think that back when I was a teenager that I had this right 25, uh, 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 all the time. But probably about 25% of the time I had this right. Because I'd always think, well, it's just little old me. How many of y'all go to public school? Anybody go to public school? Okay, I see those hands all across. Yeah, I, went, I wish I could have gone to a Christian school. In fact, I wish I was homeschooled. I went to public school. Man, my school was rough. I mean, there were the girls beating up guys at my school. I mean, it was bad. You say, Pastor Merritt, did you get beat up? No, nah, I could run faster than them girls. Uh, but, but, but the fact of the matter is this. I mean, this school was rough sometimes. And I just thought, man, for me to stand up for God, this hostile environment, I'm scared. I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know what it's like when you think you're the only Christian and there's a whole bunch of heathen all around you and you think, I'm the only Christian. Onward, Christian soldier, walking all by myself. Hey, let me, let me encourage you, young people, that the Lord and you are a majority. Hey, I'll tell you this. After I graduated from there, before I went off to Bible college, I went to a secular community college. 13th grade, but nevertheless, it was a community college. I, I'll never forget, there was a professor, and he was teaching erroneous doctrine. And I can remember, my hand shot up. And I looked at, hand, what are you doing? My hand was raised. The the professor looked at me, acknowledged that I had my hand raised, put his hand. And this is what he said. He said, uh, during the the, uh, Industrial Revolution of the United States of America, that if a person were involved in business, and they were doing well in business, and that was a sign from God that they had salvation. If there were those that were still involved in an agrarian economy, and they were farmers, and uh, if God blessed them with good crops, then they could use that as a sign of knowing that God had smiled down upon them and that they had salvation from God, and when they breathed their last breath, they would go to heaven. Now, we know that that is erroneous Bible doctrine. Amen? My hand was raised, and I thought, hand, what are you doing? Holy Spirit just worked in my heart, and the teacher acknowledged that I had my hand. I put my hand back down. He goes, yes, Ernest. And I said, um, I go to a fundamental, independent, Baptist church. And I felt the preaching spell coming on, but I was still scared. And I said, and, and we believe the Bible to be the inerrant, inspired word of God. Now, let me just tell you what happened next. 
the class got so quiet that literally you could hear a pin drop and it would have produced an echo in that class. No one moved. You know, sometimes when you're in class, somebody's like, you know, and somebody's always wiggling. You know, you got wiggles, you know, and everybody froze. And they're like, oh, no, what's going on? The Bible cycle kid's going to kill everybody in the class. What's going on? No one moved. And I said, and the Bible says that in order to have salvation, that a person needs to repent from their sins, turn from their sin, turn to the Savior, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I went through my little plan of salvation, you know, and, and the teacher stopped and he looked at me and goes, thank you. There was an awkward pause in the classroom. He looked at his notes and then he began teaching on something totally different. The bell rang and he said, class dismissed. No one said it. There was no dismissal chatter. Y'all know what I'm talking about, dismissal chatter, when people are like, wait, and they're talking about what they're going to do. And they're just having dismissal chatter. It was quiet. It was, there was only one girl in the class, and she turned around and kind of gave me a half smile. She kind of went, like, and I just thought, man, they're going to think I have AIDS or something. Nobody's going <laughs> to talk to me. They're going to think, what is going on? Everybody left, and I exchanged with the professor as I left. Y'all know what I'm talking about, that uncomfortableness that sometimes you experience. Amen. Amen. Hey, we've all been there. We've all been there. Hey, let me encourage you to understand this. That the Lord and you are a majority. Who is on David's side? Uh Oh, come on now. Y'all can help me out a little bit. They say that in the South. Y'all, somebody help me. All right, can y'all help me? Who is on David's side? Who is on your side? Amen. Hey, let me just tell you this. It's great to have a great youth group. It's great to have a great youth pastor. It's great to have wonderful youth workers. Amen. But let me just tell you this. In a setting like this, we can get all excited. Praise God. I'm going to serve the Lord. Man, I'm going to storm hell with the water gun. Man, this is great stuff. But then when you're out there all by yourself, can I get a witness? How many of y'all play sports not related to, to, to the Christian school? Y'all play sports not related to Christian school? That can be cutthroat. Let me also say this. Sometimes sports in certain Christian circles can be cutthroat. I mean, there, there's every, usually in every community, there is that Christian school. You know, know what I'm talking about? There was a, that Christian school that was near us in Florida that they had to call the law out to a couple of the games. You, you probably don't have anything like that in Lancaster. I'm just probably speaking foreign to y'all. But, but let me just encourage you to understand that the Lord and you are a majority. And sometimes you look around and think, what are these Christian people doing? I don't know what they're doing. And Lord, are you in control? And the Lord is. And it just seems like things can be so difficult sometimes in a Christian young person's life. Sometimes it's their family strife. Sometimes if mom and dad aren't getting along. Sometimes if dad has lost his job and is unemployed, that sometimes that can turn a young person's world upside down. I understand about all that. Let me just say that there might be some of that going on here right now. You might have had a death in the family or, 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 or some kind of a situation that you were not prepared for. And you think, Lord, are, are you really with me? And he is. He is. Let me encourage you. Don't doubt the goodness of a mighty God. Oh, the devil whisper in your ear. Oh, if that's what God is like. Ooh, that's the love of God. Mm-hmm, it's so wonderful. Yeah, that sounds really wonderful to me. Hey, don't believe the lie of the devil that he want to whisper in your ear. You better shut your mouth. Don't you speak up for the cause of Christ. 
Serve God? Come on, you can't do that. Come on, man, let's be realistic. You're going to make it in the NBA. Come on, man, forget about serving God. Hey, he'll whisper all kinds of lies in your ear. Are you with me on that? You say, well, Pastor Man, how do you know? Because every person here except for David had gotten their eyes off of the Lord, had gotten their eyes on the giant, and were terrified. But you know what David did? David kind of looked up beyond that giant, and he saw how large God was. Amen? Hey, sometimes we look at the giants that are in our lives, the giants of our inadequacies, the giants of, of this situation, that situation, and we fail to see the bigness of our God, the bravery of the faithful. Let's continue on in the text. The Bible says this in verse number uh, 48, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Can you imagine that? Here David is, and, and he's, he's engaged. He's running towards Goliath. Goliath is, and the earth is shaking. And David has already slipped that smooth stone into his sling, and he's running towards Goliath. He's running towards danger. Can you imagine what David's brothers are thinking? What are we going to tell Dad? I mean, he put up a good fight. I mean, he ran to the giant. What's he thinking? No doubt some of the other soldiers in the army is like, Eliab, your brother is crazy. But I like him, man. He's crazy. He's a dead man. We'll, we'll say a lot of nice, kind things at his funeral, but he's a dead man. And we're going to be slaves to the Philistines. But man, he is going after it. And David runs towards the giant. And notice what the word of God says. And he put uh, his hand in his bag and took a, a, a took fence, a stone, and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead. Can you imagine what that sounded like? Oh, probably sounded something like, <laughs> I mean, that stone, when it came out of the sling and it, I, I'm just thinking Goliath is a big man. He's a big bonded man. Amen. He probably had a thick old Frankenstein shaped head. And when that stone met Goliath's head, that it broke open and it just sunk down into the meat of his brains. That, that's what I think happened. You say, Pastor Mary, that, see that, that, and that, I'm sorry, ladies. That's when the girls are like, eh. And the guys are like, yeah. Boy, do I love the Bible, man. Praise God. I mean, sank down in the meat of his, of his head. And then the Bible says this. It gets, hey, fellas, it gets better. Girls, just hang on, ladies. Just hang on. Just hang on. Bible says this. And uh, that, that it stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Now, now notice this. How many of y'all have been hit in the head? Anybody ever been hit in the head? <laughs> hey, how many of you ever seen the blue light? You know, you get, bap, and you get the flashlight. How, how many of y'all ever had that happen? Amen. Amen. How many of you ever seen the pink light? Anybody ever seen the pink light? Oh, man, I man, I'm in good company. I'm in good company. How many of you ever boxed, maybe played baseball, take a headshot, played football, take a headshot, and you see the flashlight? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Very, very good. People who don't know what I'm talking about are thinking, really? Really? That, that really happens? Yeah, that, that happens, all right? And I, I, I'll never forget, I, I had this little thing that's called a pitch back. It's like a little thing that you, could, you play catch by yourself. You know, and, and I'm, I'm throwing the ball, and you can throw it in the top section, it'll bring you back a grounder, and you catch it. You throw it in the middle section, it brings it, like, right back here, you know? And you throw it in the bottom, and it kind of goes up. 
I remember I, I, I was just having a great time as a young person throwing playing catch by myself in the backyard. You know? And there I am playing catch and, and I'm working on some things. And then one of my sisters called me. And I went to look and I forgot about the ball that was coming back. And I turned to get the ball and it caught me straight between the eyes. I saw the light. A different kind of light. You say, Pastor Merritt, has that affected you any? No, it hadn't affected me one bit. You know, I'm, I'm still all right, you know what I'm saying? But it, what, what happened was this. That rock, that rock, <laughs> that, that baseball hit me square in the head and knocked me back. I got up, man, I started sneezing, caught me in the nose. I was all mad, wanting to hurt something. I picked the ball up, threw the ball down on the ground, took off my glove, threw that on the ground, walked on. First of all, I wanted to see, did anybody else see that? You know, off in the distance. You know, I mean, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. But let me, what happened? That thing hit me in the face and I went backwards. See what happened in the word of God? That stone sank into the meat of Goliath. I mean, which way? And the Bible says that he fell face first. May I say this? Say, Pastor Mary, you're making a big point out of this. There is a law of physics that has been violated. Because typically, if you get hit in your head, you fall back. All right? Bah! You, you go back. But it went, and Goliath fell forward. All right? You say, can you explain that? I really can't, but I have a theory. You say, Pastor Mary, what is your theory? All right, now, let me just say this. I kind of think that perhaps a couple angels may have been involved, that when that stone came out of David's sling, there might have been one angel right behind David, and he flicked that thing. David, some extra speed, and perhaps there was another angel that had Goliath by the back of his dome, and when that stone came, that he gave it a little extra force. You know, and just kind of met that, and, and that's why he fell forward. And not backwards. Now, that's what I think. Say, Pastor Merritt, that's a little twisted. How many of y'all feeling me? Amen. All right. Hey, that, 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 that's it. My wife is thinking, dear. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, I, I think that perhaps that may have happened. However it happened, the man fell forward. Typically, he would fall backwards, but he fell forward. Now, again, it gets, it gets even better than that. The Bible says this. He, he's, he, he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But we have a problem. But there was no sword in the hand of David. I like the fact that David's a thinking man. Amen. He's a thinking teenager. He, he's thinking. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes, teenager, well, what were you thinking? Uh, but David was thinking. He was thinking. The Bible says this. I love this. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. What do you think happened? Well, I think after David slung that sling and however way that Goliath fell over, I'm not exactly sure, but he fell forward. And David had already said, look, I'm going to cut your head off. And David realized, I don't have a sword. Now, let me just kind of do this with perspective, because chances are, as Goliath lie on the ground, that perhaps it might have been this 
much higher off the ground that Goliath was lying down. So in order for David to climb up on him so that he could get a full stroke. All right, baseball players, football players, fencers. So he gets up and he stands up on top of Goliath and he reaches down, takes out the sword of Goliath. Can you imagine what the Philistines are thinking? What? Uh-uh. No, no, he didn't. You know, can you imagine Eliab and the nation of Israel and Saul? Yeah, boy, go ahead on. You know, and David gets up on Goliath, takes out Goliath's sword, cuts off Goliath's head. And I think for effect, this was, I'm telling you, there's one of them giant watermelon top heads, and he picks it up. Ah! Blood, veins, and guts and stuff are dripping out the bottom of that thing. And David's shaking that. Amen. He's, he's, guys, are you with me? Girls are like, that is just like really gross. All right, let me just say this. War's not pretty, folks. War's not pretty. But David's holding his head up and they go, huh? Now all of a sudden, the nation of Israel and the soldiers who were scared to death, all of a sudden they get some bravery from someplace. And they're like, and they go after the Philistines. Can y'all picture, y'all picture that? Y'all see that in the Bible? Are you with me on that? All right, here, let, let's continue on. Let's continue on. The Bible says this in, in verse number 52. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted. I don't think it was, hooray, our champion has won. I think it was one of those, oh, and off they went. Are you, guys, are you feeling it? You with me, guys? All right. And they're going, ladies, are you with me, ladies? Okay, I know it's going, 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 yeah, yeah. Someone's going, going like, yeah, we're with you, yeah. All right. So, the Bible says this. <sighs> Breathing is a good thing. And the Bible says, and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharaim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. You know what they did? They woke the Philistines all the way back to Goliath's hometown. Let me just say this. There's a saying in the South. They just got themselves a whooping. I mean, they got toe up from the flow up. I'm telling you what, folks, this was incredible. This, this battle that took place. They said, Pastor Merritt, I understand that. What does that have to do with my life? Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? It has everything to do with our lives. We see, first of all, this belittling of the foe. Number two, the bravery of the faithful under the charge. And number three, the bandwagon of the fearful. They jumped on David's bandwagon. Here's some things we need to change. Fourthly and finally this evening, do we need to change our focus? Because you know what? Every one of those soldiers, Saul included, they had their focus on the wrong thing. You know what? As a, as a pastor, as a pastor, the folks that I counsel, the people that I love, the folks that are at Fundamental Baptist Church, you know what? There are a lot of Christians, and you know what they have their focus on? They have their focus on their finances. And the giant of their life is their finances. How am I going to pay my bills? I ain't got no job. I ain't, you know, and all these different things that, that people, so I can understand that. But may I ask this question? Is the Lord bigger than all that? You know, sometimes as teenagers, a giant that sometimes young people have is, 
man, is my parents going to have the money to pay my school bill? Am I going to be able to finish out the year? Am I going to be able to finish out the semester? Am I going to be able to play sports? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to do that? And we get all bent out of shape over those kind of things. Will I make the team? Will I make ensemble? <laughs> Will I be able to go in the next activity? All these different things that cause us turmoil. Did she smile at me? Did he notice me? Uh, that's for the ladies, okay? <laughs> just in case somebody was wondering this evening. You know, and, and all those kind of things that we just get so bent out of shape about. Will I get accepted to this school? Or what, what, what will God have for me to do? And all of these different questions that we have in our hearts, our minds, and our lives. Do I have friends? Do I not have friends? Hey, what about family situation? Might be somebody here and you have a heavy heart. Might be a family situation that you're dealing with. It may be other issues. It, let me just say this, young people. It may be something secret that only you and God know. And it's eating away at you. And you're just thinking, you know, Pastor Merritt, this is a giant in my life. And it terrifies you. And you're crippled. And you're scared. You find yourself there. Found myself there. More times than I care to count. May I say this very lovingly and very kindly. There is a God who knows and a God who cares. Hey, I am so thankful that David knew that God. And notice this. Let me, let me encourage you, because in case we're not careful, we can just think just between David and Goliath. No, the Lord was actively involved in all this. And may I say this? That David's faith rubbed off on an entire nation. Because all of those soldiers jumped on the bandwagon and they saw the victory that God initiated in David. Say, Pastor Merritt, people don't know my family business. My parents already told me, look, don't you tell nobody the family business. We don't talk our business. I understand how that dynamic happens in families. May I say this, young person, if that's some, some of the dynamic that you're dealing with, may I very lovingly and kindly share with you that your faith in the holy God of the universe, like David's faith in the holy God of the universe, not only transformed David's life, not only transformed David's family, but transformed all those men out there on the battlefield. Let your faith be operative in your home and let that transform not only your heart and your life, but it transform your family. Say, Pastor Merritt, let me also say this if I could please. At the youth group that I grew up in, well, we, we all knew who was who and what was what. What do, we, what do you mean by that, Pastor Merritt? Well, we all knew who was living for God and who wasn't living for God. We all knew who was faking it and who was for real. And let me just say this. In the crowd this size, I would like to think that most here this evening are for real. Amen? Just keeping it real. Say, Pastor Merritt, why are we taking this quarter? I'm just keeping it real. Because chances are there are some of you here this evening and you're faking. You're thinking, yeah, I'm fooling anybody. The Lord knows. Let me also say this. Other people know. And let me just say this. It, it happens in youth groups. It happens in churches. It happens in Bible schools. People, you know, standing up, looking all spiritual. And you know, as soon as they get home, 
and they're going to take out that Christian CD and throw that away, and they're going to put in whatever their poison is. And you know who's who and what's what. May, may I encourage you this evening? If you're one of those people that's not living for God, may I encourage your faith to be like the faith of David and that you would just have your mind made up. I am going to stand for the Lord. I'm going to stand for my God. You might say, well, hold on for a second, uh, Pastor Merritt. Um, see, my family, we're not like so-and-so's family that has a position of prominence in the church. And, and my family, they're not like this other particular family. I don't care about your family. I'm, I'm concerned about you and your relationship with God. Because all that other stuff don't matter anyways. Can I get a witness? Amen. It's getting quiet in here. I'm just keeping it real. Amen. I'm just keeping it real. Are, are, y'all, are y'all still with me? I just want to encourage you to live for God. And there are those here. And in fact, let me just say this. I had a, early in my youth ministry, this young man, he told me this. Just getting things off the ground, man. Just graduated, newlywed, all excited. Man, about serving God full time, working with young people, helping to shape and mold the future of America. Man, just loving God. I had this teenager tell me this. He looked at me and he said, you know what? When I turn 18, I'm gone. I said, I beg your pardon? He said, when I turn 18, I am out of church. I'm talking about a 13-year-old telling you this. I said, you got to be kidding. You really don't mean that. He goes, I do. I do. I'm, I'm tired. And he told me what he was tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, tired of the rules. Tired of people trying to tell me how to live my life. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. And guess what happened? When that kid turned 18 and he graduated from high school and he checked out, he was gone. Life was a mess. He tried coming back and getting grounded in church and we were there for him and wanted to be a help and a blessing to him. But it was hard for him to get things kick-started, if you will. You say, Pastor, why do you say that? Because there might be somebody like that here tonight. And if you're like that here tonight, hey, you know what? I'm going to ride the roller coasters. Man, I, I, I'm going to tolerate the services. Oh, yes, I'll do my devotions because I know someone's going to check on me and ask me if I've done my devotions. But I want to encourage you between, between and challenge you tonight in the presence of a mighty God to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that our hearts are soft and tender to the things of God. By the way, has anybody ever done y'all wrong? Anybody ever done, any, any, done you wrong? Can I see your hands? Please? Somebody's done you wrong. All right, very good. Hey, let me just say this. That's a wonderful fact of life that you all are learning at an early age because people will do you wrong. You know what sometimes what people do? Well, they did me wrong, so I'm going to turn my back on God. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do we need to change our focus? Let me ask this question as well. Do you have a big God? And small problems? Or do you have a small God and big problems? It all depends on your perspective. Are you with me? Do you have a big God and small problems? Or do you have a little itty bitty teeny God and huge problems? Hey, let me encourage you. The same God that used David was the same God that could have used Elliot. Same God could have used Saul. Same God could have used anyone who was willing to be used. This evening, ladies and gentlemen, are you willing to be used? Another question. Do we need a change in our faith? Do we need a change in our faith? Close with three verses. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Jot that down real quickly, please. Now, faith is the substance things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Do you have a faith in God? Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he meaning God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Are you diligently seeking God tonight? May I encourage you to do that? Third verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, I love that. Mercy. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. God didn't give you that. When you're terrified, when you're scared, when you're lying awake at night, when the house is quiet and everything's off and it's just between you and God and fear grips your heart, God didn't give you that fear. How can you say that, Pastor Merritt? Well, 2 Timothy 1, 7 states it for us. For God has not given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. To do what? To bring honor and glory to God. Another rhetorical question. What do you need to change in Jesus' name? And another question, which is the title of our message, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.